Demons Discuss, take 18. The one without modern sensibilities. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We're your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hi, ladies. Hi, listeners. Hi, listeners. And today we are talking about Shadow of Night. We named it the one without modern sensibilities because it takes place in the past. So we outline this because it doesn't have a lot of structure like the chapter episodes. So let's go through it. We're going to do an introduction. We're going to talk about Matthew. We're going to talk about Diana. And then we're going to talk about overall impressions. And if I go down my list, we'll do some housekeeping. We'll do some news. And then last thoughts. And that's the end of the episode. We're caught up. So let's start it with the discusser email, Jean. From Wendy. Diana handling the 16th century, I thought, was amazing once she listened to Matthew's advice at the beginning of the book. He told her that she was holding on too tightly to their other life. I think at that point, she stopped trying to pretend as much and started to just be in the moment more. It didn't become natural for her until Septours and Philippe. And even then, bits of the future would pop up in her attitude every so often. But she was successful. In fact, as her father pointed out, she was too successful because she went native. Part of her ability to handle it all was due to the friends and company that she kept. Very few of the people that she interacted with were traditionalists of the 16th century, so they were more accepting of the different. Mary was a scientist, and then, of course, we have the witches. Nothing was traditional about that bunch. Matthew was able to slip back into the 16th century because he had his memories from the first time he was there. I think he kept some of his modern sensibilities, as it were, since I think the old Matthew would not have tolerated Diana nearly as well. And that's from Wendy. Bravo. Thanks, Wendy. Shouts out. All right. So who wants to drive us into the 16th century uh, where we left off? Hamish, I think. Yeah. I think Hamish is the one who drives us into the 16th century at the end of Discovery of Witches because he gives not only Diana, but the reader a warning that once you go back there, Matthew's not going to be the same person. And he was right. You just don't know the magnitude and you don't, you don't want to believe it. You want it, Matthew, the perfect Matthew and the honeymoon phase to continue. So yeah, you hear it, but just like a parent telling a child, it's like, "Uh, let me decide for myself. I'll be the judge of that. And then boom. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the other thing is too, is every way he was different wasn't necessarily bad. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So I mean, yes, tiger, tiger, burning bright, but right. even so. I don't feel like I was trepidatious. I think a lot of readers were as far as what Hamish was telling her. I mean, he was being serious in that kitchen conversation as far as Matthew's not going to be the same man and Diana's being stubborn and saying, yes, he is. He's going to be the very same man that's here with me. But I think she was thinking in the physical realm. Do you know what I mean? Right. Physically, he's going to be the same man, but mentally he'd have to yeah. evolve and put himself back to where he was and that attitude and that thought. Right. Because essentially, he's not changing who he is. He's just, you know, matching with the time. Yeah, times. he's assimilating. I mean, you have to. Well, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I thought, too, was that maybe Hamish was referring to the fact that Matthew's going to struggle more because he had been there before. He's trying to be the man he was before and you never step in the same same stream right. twice. That's right. true. I mean, even in... He can't be the same man he was before, no. though. He can try, which is what he did. Yeah, because that would be a man 
Matthew thing to do is, well, I'll just, I'll just blend. Do, I'll just jump in my old footsteps and follow right. him again. Yeah. And, and I mean, he, although Matthew is an alpha, I mean, there is a, a sense of peer pressure. I mean, he lands in Old Lodge and they're having their annual get together, like a guy's poker party. And just like in modern times, guys get together and all of a sudden now the jokes become different and, you know, they start to banter in a different way. And they, and at first he doesn't want them to know that he is different. So there's that right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm with you, Val. I wasn't trepidatious at all. Yeah. I was curious. It's like, ooh, this could this could be good. Maybe he's a less cranky Matthew back then. <laughs> he may be more sexist. He may be more chauvinistic, but maybe he's less cranky. Well, yeah. And Angela, just like you were saying, you know, a good poker game will show you that, you know, light up the cigars and all the sexist shit that comes out of these enlightened men <laughs> would shock the shit out of you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And the whole thing of it is, is like, it's just as prevalent today as it was in the 16th century too. So I mean, it's not it's not necessarily an attitude that Diana, as a, a historian of science, hadn't dealt yeah. with before. And, and no. the, the term "know your role" or "stay in your lane." I mean, that you're right in the smack in the middle of that in the in the 16th century. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's not just it's not just men yeah. and women. It's classes and you know all different courtiers and all different types of people. It's that way today. Sure. Yeah. The more the more shows I watch, the more historical you know whether or historical. Fiction even. It's just it, court life is ruthless. I mean, being a king didn't mean you were a king. You always have your head on a swivel and, th- and that trickles down to the common person even. So you have to watch yourself and especially um, Matthew. He, he was little did we know all the, you know, behind the scenes things he was involved in, but that had to do with, had something well, to do with it too. A lot of people will say, well, court, we don't have court life. Uh, uh, most people in the U.S. have been to the high schools, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. There you yeah. go. <laughs> you know, know what I mean? You've been to high school, you know. Um, I know I've mentioned it on this show before that uh, I lived amongst a certain class of people at where I lived last and they hold court in the Starbucks at 1130 in the afternoon waiting for their kids to get out of their various activities, you know, and there was always somebody who was the prominent leader of that group. It was just like entering a high school cafeteria. So it does exist. It just doesn't, doesn't look like you think it Picture would. it this way. The bro- the, the Breakfast Club, the movie. That's a microcosm of court life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then if you look at it here, people are like, oh, well, you know, there's not social media. There's not this. There's not that. But the simple fact of the matter is back in the 16th century, if if you're a person like Matthew, you're living your life on the stage, yeah. period. Somebody's always watching what you're doing. Seeing and, how you're dressing, seeing who you're yes, hanging out and with. Everything's a, everything's a signal. Everything means something. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Diana Diana and her solitary life wasn't no. ready for that. And I don't think she was even ready to be part of a couple with friends when we open up Shadow of Night. I mean, she didn't know how, I was going to say she she didn't know how to navigate a friendship group really and truly. And then you've got Matthew dumped into the friends he thought he'd never see again because they had all pretty much right. died and he just like fits like you said the poker game. He's like, "Hey, all my buddies are back." And off he goes and she sees a side of him she's never seen before because it's always just been the two of them. Or him bossing around uh, Marcus and Miriam up to this point. This is true. And he had to reconcile a lot. He had to reconcile the Matthew who condemned witches um, and, and the Matthew that was trying to help his to-be wife uh, solve her problem. And I think he wanted to solve her problem and found that he was helpless and it just spiraled out of control from there. And it frustrated him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't his whole plan. It's like, oh, we're just going to go back there. It'll take us a week, find a witch and we'll exactly. be done. Yeah, that and he well. never And <laughs> he never planned on seeing Philippe, not even for a minute. <laughs> no. 
know. Yeah, nah. And that turned out that turned out to be the best thing that happened for all of them because he helped Diana navigate, open herself yeah. up to navigate the 16th century. And I think it also in the at the very end of it all, it helps her time with Philippe also helped her navigate everything she needed to do with a congregation in order to save Matthew because anything is like a 16th century court is dealing with the congregation in its centuries yeah. of routine and custom and ritual. And her time with Philippe, to me, also taught her the patience to to school her reactions and to navigate in that high school, yep, yep. so to speak. So I accepted 16th century Matthew. He, it didn't bother me that he had to act the way he acted, but there was one time that I was pissed at him. <laughs> it was after Diana. Which one was that? When he went out carousing with Kit. And it's not because he went out carousing with Kit. It was the timing. Diana had just miscarried and he came home and he was like, had glossy eyes. And it's like, you know me, my personality is like, suck it up, buttercup. Diana's hurting too. Don't drown your sorrows. Work this out together. So I was pissed at him at that point. Here's a question. Do you think he would have done the same thing with Hamish if that miscarried? happened in modern times? It's a great question. It's a great question. I would say. I mean, do you do, do you think the diff- do you think Hamish would tell him, "Hey, dude, this is yeah. a bad idea"? Yes. Difference of the company he's keeping, maybe. Yeah, I want to think Hamish would tell him to turn around and go home to his fucking wife. Yes, exactly. Meanwhile, Kit is not in that place in his head. No, he's, he wasn't. But Matthew should have been. Anyways, I mean, I just feel like it was all oh, poor me, poor me. This is not turning out. Poor me. It's like. Like I said, suck it up, Buttercup. Get home to your wife. And, you know, she's the one that just had the miscarriage. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I could see that. How about you, Val? Was there any time in 16th century Matthew that just you wanted to wring his neck? Mm, the secrets. He should have been more forward with her before they walked back. Because I'm sorry, you had to have known that the <laughs> fact that you were a spy... <laughs> it's going to come out. <laughs> Something you forget. You know. Oh, I was spying for Queen Elizabeth. Oh, I forgot all about that. From a, from a reader standpoint, I liked that. I was like, oh, my God, you're kidding. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and he he probably should have disclosed a lot of things. You know, I think if I structured it in my head, how I would have done it, if I would have wrote it, I'm not a writer. I would have had him disclose that before they went on. But he was expecting to hide that and have her not pick up on any of it. And if you hang around Diana for the 40 days or whatever, we all picked up that she was a smart lady. How come... Matthew didn't do that. How come he didn't have enough trust in her to do that? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only thing that really pissed me off. It was just, she shouldn't have been blindsided like that. Right. I think that's my button. I don't like being blindsided. And when I am, it's, nah, there's no excuse for that. You knew this how long and you weren't going to tell me? No, fuck you. (laughs) 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 But that, yeah, that would, every, every other time, like, uh, when he, he tends to feel sorry for himself a lot. He, he does. And I think that's exactly what I was mad at in in my rant. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. And we didn't really see that until Shadow of Night. So it's just like... Oh, the self-pity? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. These are the cards you were dealt. Let's deal with them. But he doesn't do that. And I don't think a lot of how he came up to be a vampire allowed him to do that. Like his blood rage. Shit would happen. He'd get upset and he'd have to go away. Right. So he didn't murder the villagers. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but, the flag would go up on Septors. Right. Matthew's so in the mood. <laughs> so he's <laughs> got like Matthew, Matthew's PMS flag went up. <laughs> so he wasn't afforded the opportunity to negate his self-pity. When you go off by yourself and you live a new life, you, you're not afforded the opportunity to deal with it deal have family and friends be around you and help you deal with it you're you're just yeah. you, you just go inside yourself and resort to self-pity so yeah there's that yeah for me it was the way he was treating philippe when they first got back he was really kind of a dick well philippe wasn't being nice either <laughs> Philippe was Philippe, yeah. I mean, but it's like, I mean, I, you're getting a second chance here. Why are you squandering Yeah, that's this true. If you look at it, first, if you look at it that way, you're totally right. But I looked at it what from my first read, not thinking that way. I just thought it, it was nice to see Matthew knock down a peg to see the hierarchy in the De Claremont family. You know, here I'm thinking he's the, the, the yeah. end all be all and he's not. And I like that. Like I said, I, I mm. love the flawed Matthew too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I just, what I didn't like about Matthew was the fact it's like, God, why are you feeling so, so sorry for yourself and lashing out at your father that's what pissed me off it's like you're 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 upset because he's dead but now you're mad at him because he's not <laughs> really come on <laughs> like i don't know why i'm laughing because that doesn't sound like something i should laugh at but <laughs> no but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's so his the, the thought process there to me that's why i got mad at him because you're being you're being so absurd yeah i think he was acting out of frustration because uh philippe summoning him just threw a big wrench in his plans right. and you know you know how matthew doesn't like having his plans interrupted yeah. so when and he's all of a sudden given this coin and told get your get ye ass over to sep tours you know asap um mm, yeah you know me being a me being a planner and having a wrench thrown in i just walk up huffy too so i think i yeah I, but i think you should have been more pissed off at galaglass because galaglass was the one who sent up the flare yeah. think about that but i just didn't yeah but how would galaglass right, know right. not to <laughs> Right. I don't know. He was frustrated at the whole situation and he took it out on Philippe in that moment. I just picture Philippe, if it was modern times, Philippe sends a text to his teenage son, Matthew, get home. And then Matthew's like crossed arms. What? You know? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Don't look at me like that. What? (laughs) I'm not looking at you like anything. Oh, I don't know. I no, that didn't piss me off. I I found it to be expected with what we knew from Matthew. The, yeah, things that pissed us off about Matthew. It, yeah, none of them was none of them were really the whole se- the sexist stuff wasn't the stuff that pissed us off. I'm noticing. No, no, it was just it was shit that would piss me off in in modern times. Right. You know, yeah, self pity, dishonesty, or you know, lying by omission, as one of our discussers said in another episode. Yeah, although I think the lying by omission on the the, the uh, thing about the congregate lying about the congregation pissed me off more than lying about being a spy. Yes, agreed. Because Diana knew what the congregation was at that point, and they were in danger. Well, and, and even even if he thought, well, the fact that I'm on the congregation may offer us an extra layer of protection, I still think she needed to know that he was on it. Yeah. Yeah. True. Maybe it would have opened up a whole bunch of questions he wasn't ready to deal with as far as the family's involvement into the congregation. Does that make sense? That does make it sense. Does. And then he probably figured it's not like she's going to meet any of them. So it's all good. Oh, well, sorry. That didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Gallo Glass for that, too. 
And I would think you're on the congregation in 1590 and you didn't even tell me about the congregation in modern times. I mean, yeah, she, she only found out in modern times because he asked Marcus, find out who else is on the congregation. The what? You know, after Domenico. Right. After oh, Domenica, yeah, that, that whole, Isabel had to explain whole, it. We can more. talk about that in the next episode. That yeah. whole thing sort of <laughs> threw me off for reasons yeah. we'll discuss later. It's like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> 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 I don't know. I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, the congregation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, going back to the whole, whole thing that really didn't set well with so many readers is that with Matthew's treatment of Diana, which they viewed as sexist and demeaning. I guess I just never saw it that saw it that way because I saw of the, it as survival. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I mean, as much as he wanted to treat her as a modern day partner, I mean, that would have just drawn attention. Yeah, it did. It did cross my mind. I'm like, what if she got upset and just left him? Time walked back to the present time, and <laughs> well, that would have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I like that alt fiction right, right there. I like you better watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going yeah, home. Right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to make you walk home from that's, the bar. That's me projecting, by the way. So. Right. <laughs> There's no time walking Ubers, so you're on your own. Right. 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 the car, <laughs> Time walking Ubers. There's a business we, want, we may want to try and get into. I know. <laughs> Start an LLC right now. <laughs> but yes, I, no. I, did, I did see it as survival too. I saw the way he acted for various reasons as survival and the way she accepted her role as well as survival, especially being a witch in those times. Not only a modern woman in yeah. those times. I do remember distinctly a conversation in a discussion group years and years ago where somebody was complaining about uh, Matthew's treatment of Diana. And it, it was a big post and it blew up into craziness where to the point where uh, Deb intervened. And the thought was, you know, what was she going to do? Was she going to leave him there when people in modern times were looking for her? And she needed the protection. She needed everything that he offered her. So it's not like he she was going to leave him in the 16th century. So I do remember that conversation. It kind of jogged my memory. Yeah. She and it, it was kind of it was kind of a provocative initial com comment, too, if I recall correctly, because I think the poster called Diana a doormat for True. letting him treat her the way he was treating her. And, well, and it was mostly because she wasn't react. I think part of it was early on that she didn't react to much and she wasn't doing much and she wasn't standing up for herself and blah, blah, blah. But there and are I know a few examples where she did stand up for, for herself in private, you know, yeah, where she's certainly. like, you know, a so lot. it's not like she was letting that go. It's just right. how dare he talk to her like that? And it, and she let him know she took him to task in private. Mm -hmm. But to yeah. call him out in public would just bring more attention to her. And already she's a witch. Already people know that she's different. She's, you know, this tall she doesn't talk modern the same. woman right she doesn't speak the same she's mouthy because she's modern like us right, you know? right, right. <laughs> she, she can, doesn't she's a woman that can read and yes. do math and she's not particularly religious nope because she's pagan so it's not like she's been steeped in the in the catholic church or the reformation where she can bluff her way through a mass mm -hmm. and on on that note she's a lapsed pagan she's not even full-blown Blown pagan. She barely yeah, paid attention. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't even the pagan equivalent of catechism there. No, yeah, no, <laughs> no macaroni pentagrams for her. No pentacles. Excuse me. 
<laughs> so I guess we can go on to Diana a yeah, little bit, yeah. huh? Yeah, I mean, with Diana, uh, that that conversation still kind of upsets me because it on they, it uh, the person underestimated her. It's like just because she's being reticent and not reacting doesn't mean that she's letting people do things to her she's think she unlike matthew she's thinking about her next move before she makes she's it. maneuvering yeah and navigating yeah definitely and and anyone yeah. that had any worth she held her own i mean when she talked to walter raleigh when she t- walter when she talked to william cecil when she talked to the queen when she talked to mary sydney i mean anyone who was, could have been considered matthew's equal or above she held her own yes yeah. yeah. rudolph well rudolph's not anybody's equal he's just kind of a sh- <laughs> schmuck but <laughs> yeah no she she was able to stand up and that's because of her she power observation yeah. oh yeah that's even a whole nother set with his set of tests that's a whole yeah. other level right. of yeah so what would you do differently if you were Diana trying to navigate that? If we were trying to make um, Shadow of Night a short book, hey, they time walked and now they're back. The end. What would Diana have to do differently to make that happen? Do you figure? She, I don't know. She, she needed that coven. The coven was key. But I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, the coven was the key. coven was key to help her find. I think the time away was key. Honestly, I don't think you make it a shorter book because I don't. May I don't think Matthew's plan of getting in and getting out, finding a witch and getting out was ever going to work because there were things. There were so many things she had to do in order to be able to digest the things that she needed to right. learn. She needed to learn about, no, there was no way she was going to just learn, okay, hey, I'm a weaver, I need to do X, Y, Z. She needed to learn about herself. Yeah. For one yeah. thing. And I think, true. and Philippe needed to teach her to stand up for, kind of stand up for herself in a different way because he already knew she was, what she was destined to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced he knew that she was his successor and he, you had to have that time with them together for him to groom her to be able to take on yeah, those duties. You are, I think, 100% correct. I mean, that quote, I knew you were the one that would not bend, that would bend and wouldn't break. I mean, that right there always says he knew to me. Yeah. Um, but I think it was like, yeah, it was like right. the one-two punch. Philippe and Goody, I think, were pivotal. And then Stephen coming in to like just round out the rough edges um, made her confident mm-hmm. and powerful and made her see the bigger picture. She took off the blinders, finally. Yeah, yeah it was like Stephen had to come in and do the... He now he was fast. He came in and in the space of a couple of days did years of child rearing in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. He he taught her everything she needed to know to be a grown up adult and reassure her. I mean, pro- proctor slash bishop <laughs> in the modern yeah. world because because even though she's a bishop, I'm sorry, honest to God, I I I think she is just as much a proctor, even though that part of her heritage is played down in the book. I think because I think so too. She's more like her dad than her mom. Yeah. At the end of the day. Well, yeah, we saw that in Book of Life. We saw that where I I was kind of amazed and relieved that Stephen came in and said, you know what? Lighten up. You have this stuff. What everybody had been trying to tell her two books in. I mean, Isabel yeah. tried to tell her. Sarah tried to tell her. It took Stephen coming in and say, you know what? You have these gifts. So what? You're overthinking this. Yeah. Just do it. Lighten up. It it. is what it is. Yeah. Just handle it. I mean, do what you need to do to protect yourself, but don't hide these parts of yourself. Like you say, Val, handle your shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just think she had so many insecurities and unanswered questions. And just that little time span that Stephen came in totally reassured her and set her on the right path. Yeah. Right. And he, he kind of let her know, look, no one's got all the answers. No one. No one can be, no. could know everything about everything. So you need to stop trying. It's holding you back. It's, it's shackling you. Mm-hmm. So after that, she pretty much, it just, boom, she came back to, you know, modern times knowing what she needed to do. So. Yeah, she needed to go through that journey. Poor Matthew, though. He was in for the ride. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to say poor Matthew because, you know, he he was like, uh, he... um, created a lot of his own drama. I know. But. I know. Well, I think he was on a journey. He was on a journey, too. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. It. Like I said, in the first book, I thought, oh, my gosh, he's going to leave her. In the second book, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's going to leave him. And now at the end of Shadow of Night, I'm like, OK, nobody's leaving. No, anybody. They're all they're all in it for the ride. Yeah, they're in it. In it to yes. win it. <laughs> yeah. Where's that from? American Idol. OK. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Lotto? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but no, he, Matthew had his own story and his own lessons to learn. And that Shadow of Night was certainly was um, full of that. And as Deb has said, Shadow of Night was about the fathers, whereas A Discovery of Witches was about the mothers. Shadow of Night was about the fathers. And Diana and Matthew independently learned immense lessons um, from both. Right? Yeah. And then, I'm, I mean, if you think about Book of Life, is Book of Life is also about building the family. Mm-hmm. And plus, you know, she started, she... Uh, you get to see her in a friendship, an actual friendship with uh, Mary. Yes. Where, yeah. yes. She, you know, where she gets to learn and talk and they exchange ideas and they commiserate. And I don't think she had that no. before. So, you know, no matter how much Chris was supposed to be her BFF. Right. I don't think she had that before. Right. And who doesn't love Mary Sidney? I mean, she was the perfect character to befriend Diana and a good choice by Matthew. Yes. Yes. She taught Diana a lot. So overall impressions. Is Jean well, still my here? overall impression is, is you know that I love S- Shadow of Night for so yeah, many reasons. Yeah. Shadow of Night is my favorite. Mine too. <laughs> well, I was going to think about if you think about it, even in relation to our conversation today about how the past going, you know, Matthew going to the past, not being a different person in the past, and blah blah blah. Right. It's the whole book is on a very personal level a great big commercial for those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it and we get to watch them learning from the past in real time right oh my gosh that's a good way to put it because especially with diana she goes back and learns from the past and is on the road to all those changes she needs to start making to let go of her fear and accept her gifts and be the person she was born to be but went into hiding when her parents died i think it was good for people in the present time too because you know they were rushing around and having to defend they saw it as no this is not just about a vampire and a witch getting together this is so much bigger the way people mm-hmm. are after us and it kind of brought Marcus into maturity he had to be you know yes it was pivotal for him yeah he had to grow up and, and deal with things and handle things and deal with Isabel the way she is and the way she communicates and so much had to happen and Sarah she grew up she started having to understand what Diana is going through and and you know her losing Emily that was something yeah, had life-changing things yeah. happen. Yeah. True. So, yeah, it was such a good book. I agree. I agree. There, I mean, so many elements, the time walking, 
the Elizabethan uh, time period. And of course, Philippe. I can say if it's one word, it's Philippe. We got to meet him. Philippe. Yeah. Yes. Philippe. He is the game changer in this book. And he taught er- taught both of them some very sound lessons. Yeah. And we learn that he kind of knows all. Yeah. And keeps it all very close to the vest or whatever it was. They Doublet. He kept it very close <laughs> to the doublet. That is what I want to see someday on the TV show. Matthew and Philippe in their doublets. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, can't wait to see who they put in that show. Yeah. Oh, God. Matthew and Walter. I hope there's an extra scene written with Matthew and Walter. <laughs> <laughs> I just think they're amu- it's nice to see him with the best friend yeah. who gives him as good yeah, as he gets. Right. Yeah. Other than Hamish, who also always Hamish. seems to be like the hand holder and talking him off the ledge. I just like the idea of him and Walter just going at it without the rationality, well, shall we say. Ma- yeah, and Matthew can, can, can be cut. Because they both are hotheads, yeah, really. Right. I mean, Walter Raleigh does some pretty impulsive things himself. Right. And he, Matthew's kind of rude to Hamish sometimes, you know, like in, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but in the Book of Life, you know, he had to be very cautious entering the room you know it's like it's just Matthew you've you dealt with him before yeah but yeah. with Walter it wasn't that way like you said he gave it and he got it back yeah I think Matthew has a certain respect for that we just give it right back to him I think that's how he wound up with Diana she just gave it right back <laughs> right. to him <laughs> So I think uh, that safely ends this portion of this episode. Yes. We have news. Yes, we do. We got some, de- I was going to well, I'll start it off. We got okay. some definitive news today on Deb's publishing plans. I hesitate to call it a schedule because there really are no dates written in stone. Just plans. Due to some confusion that was created by Goodreads and Amazon, imagine that, mm. um, there was some misinformation out there from long ago uh, which raised up expectations that we would be seeing the Serpent's Mirror soon. Deb said everyone's straight and the Serpent's Mirror is in the works, but Deb has no idea when that will be done. She's still working on researching and plotting all that out. In the meantime, besides the TV show, she's also working on the book about Marcus, which we've heard uh, heard about in bits and pieces in her monthly updates and her Twitter storms and all of her communications with her fandom across social media. So we've got Marcus's story, which is yet to be named, mm-hmm. coming out next year, hopefully. And, and we do know also that the companion book is coming out in Mayish, I think, of next year. That's I think it's May eighteenth. I think that one actually has a date yeah. May May tenth or May eighteenth of. So that one's more firm. The Marcus book is less firm, but we're thinking later 2018. And then in ge- in general, yeah. it sounds like she's writing, writing, writing. And it sounds like, you know, into perpetuity, she might have a book for everybody eventually. <laughs> but we don't know. I mean, we're not. Yeah. 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 I think somewhere she mentioned, and this is just me going on my recollection. Um, she even mentioned the beginnings of a book about Gallo Glass. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that was, I saw that on yeah. Twitter or Angela might have showed yeah. me that from and Twitter. And someone asked about Fern- oh, yeah. Fernando and Baldwin and she said, I mean, that's not quote verbatim, but basically don't count them out. So whether they're in in yeah. Marcus books or in Matthew books or have their own books, but you know what? Put it this way too. Her muse speaks to her when she speaks to her and tells her the stories that she wants to tell her. So we don't know. Yeah. The way I had put it down in my head is, yes, the serpent exists as the same way as soup exists when you have all the ingredients in your cupboard, but they're not put together. You might have thrown the broth together, but you decided to make something else. The broth is now in a Tupperware container in the freezer. <laughs> I was going to say, no, the broth just ended up chicken. The broth ended up chicken and dumplings. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So there's no soup going on here anymore. And it was a good reminder for me that her, you know, her putting that out definitively because the internet, people like to think the internet is this big um, organism that absorbs things and whatever. No, the internet is a game of telephone. You put something out there, like uh, when did she say it was uh, 2015? She put it out that Serpent's Mirror, Mirror was coming in 2017. So everybody jumps on that and repeats it and repeats it and repeats it. So now it's replicated itself out there. It's out there. And matter of fact, I had to go in and change our website today because we did have it as a current item on one of our pages on our website. It was the Meet the, Meet the Demons. And I forgot to remove uh, coming soon in 2017 Serpent's Mirror. I didn't remove that. So I removed it today. But it eventually corrects itself. But it's not like uh, part of the rant was I I call it a rant. It was just a correction. Part of the correction was like she doesn't control the Internet. She doesn't control metadata. She doesn't control. But you kind of put the information out there. So the person that puts the information out there should come out and correct it as soon as she knows it's not so. And that's my soapbox moment. Thank you. <laughs> that's your techie soapbox moment. Yeah. I'll just take your word for yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and no, oh, no, seriously. It's hard. Once stuff is on the internet, it's kind of hard to get rid of it. Yeah. But you can. You can. You can. Part of our housekeeping is we had a listener um, correct me because I had the wrong phone number, not on our website, but on the actual app on uh, like iTunes and Google Play and everything like that, I have to fill out that information so the syndicates can put that out to everybody else. So when you're looking at our podcast on the phone, if you click further information, all that stuff will fly by. No one's responsible for that but me. So I had to go in and fix it. Someone needs to go in and fix that stuff. Various, various, astute, <laughs> various astute listener, by the way. <laughs> yes. yes. Yes, we'll listen to her later. All right. So, well, maybe we'll listen to her now. Is that it for our news? That's it. I think We're so. Done. That's okay. enough news. That's a lot of news. <laughs> That's a lot of news. Okay, let's go into housekeeping, everybody. Housekeeping. Angela, you. Do. I have an iTunes review from Bottlehead UK in the United Kingdom. They yay yeah, yay. They say I found this to be stimulating and engaging podcast created by a trio of ladies. The Demons, with occasional guest speakers. They have started by providing their commentary to chapters in the first book in the series, A Discovery of Witches. Their conversation frequently takes small, entertaining diversions before returning to the topic. Listeners are encouraged to interact with the podcast by sending emails to be included in further episodes. Thank you. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Hey, and uh, yeah, we like that. We love reviews. Thank you. It helps us get found. So and we love listeners. emails. We do. We do. Um, we got a voicemail. Yay! Today. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is from Linda, Super. and she is a pioneer because she's the first one to do it. So let's hear from Linda. Hello, ladies. This is Linda Zip from Albuquerque calling. I love your show, but I did want to mention that. In the podcast comments that you guys put in there, you've got a phone number listed that ends with 7826 instead of 7836. So I just wanted to let you know about that so you can fix it. And looking forward to seeing you in New Orleans in September. Bye. Linda, thank you so much for sending us that voicemail. I have corrected it right away. We have the best listeners. Hey, try the voicemail, folks. We want to hear what you sound like. 
Right. And thank you for being so brave to send a voicemail. Yay! I'm not, I'm not awesome. committing, but we might need to reward any voicemails that we get in the future. <laughs> oh, I'm committing. I'm willing to bribe. Come on. First one to send us a voicemail. The next one to send us a voicemail. I'm going to send you well, it's something. It's going to have to be How's is the that? next person plus Linda. <laughs> yes. Yeah, plus, that's the only fair. Plus Linda. That is fair. We'll send something to Linda, too. But the next person to send us a voicemail, we'll send you something. Be cool. Give us a call. I should give you the phone number. 360-519-7836. Again, that's 360-519-7836. Or you can reach us on SpeakPipe. And that is uh, speakpipe.com slash demons discuss. So there's that. So we're going to take a break, everybody. And then after that, last thoughts and things you can't let go of. Hey guys, you can find us wherever it is you like to listen to your podcast shows. Contact us on social media. We are Demons Domain and Demons Discuss. You can also email us directly and we are Demons Discuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. You can either do that through SpeakPipe and that is speakpipe.com slash Demons Discuss or you can give us a call old school way 360-519-7836. Again, that is 360-519-7836. Now, here's one thing I want you guys to remember. Become a discusser. Now, how that works is you sign up and then we send you an email once or twice a month. And then we get to talk back and forth and your responses get used on our episodes. So isn't that great? So go to demonsdiscuss.com, fill out your name and email address on that little short form. And then you're going to have to type in a code because we don't like spam on our website. Submit that and boom, you're a discusser. Just like that. No questions asked. And don't forget to visit our home base, and that is demonsdomain.com. Everything we're doing, including giveaways, all of our posts on the All Souls Trilogy characters and settings and news, and our podcast episodes. Everything we're doing, you can find there. Again, that is demonsdomain.com. We can't wait to hear from you. We'll see you on the internet. I will allow you to go first, Jean. Or Angela. Thanks. I need to get my shit together in my head because I have shit to say. <laughs> oh, Lord. Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. I'll start with my last thought. Uh, my last thought is from our episode 17 with the, the one with uh, the fortress. Do tell. Uh, do tell. Ah. I still can't. I can't let go of Martin Isabel and just what their background is. What's their connection? You know, it's, it's something that something I think about a lot because th there's so much back. That's such a rich backstory back uh, we have for Isabel, but we really don't know anything about Mark yeah. other than she's kind of connected to Isabel. I'm curious about that lady. I'm thinking their roles were the same as humans. You know, you know well, what I mean? I guess the thing I find peculiar is, is that in the way the three books are structured, we get all these tidbits and little pieces of the puzzle for Isabel, but not so much for Mart. Mart Mart is more outwardly friendly as a character than Isabel is, but Isabel seems to give up the goods a little bit yeah. more than Mart does. Mart, Mart, I think the friendly facade is hiding 
an awful lot. Yeah. I almost wonder what she, whether she's got a, some sort of connection to Philippe as well. I feel like she knows as much, if not more, than all those documents in the Round Tower. She's like the mind like a steel trap and the family yeah. historian and then some. A living and library. The fact, and the thing that bothers me is the fact that she came came along with Philippe to help help with Isabel when they rescued her. Hmm. That's another little tidbit that sticks in my mind that makes makes it something I don't let go right. of. Right. There's more to that story. Sorry, Deb, I just put that out in the universe and it's probably going to start bothering you. Well, I've often wondered about the servant class in in that family. It's like, who changed them? Who? You know what I mean? It's like... Somebody had to change the first servant <laughs> that started tr- changing all the other servants, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like... Who changed Philippe? Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's weird. It's like um, uh, Victoire and her husband was Alan. Um, uh, no, Alan wasn't married to Victoire. Francoise. No, I'm thinking of Francoise. Yeah. Alain and Victoire were married. Okay. But Francois, like Francois, Charles was a human. And Pierre. Oh, Pierre. Yeah. And Pierre. And who changes them? Who, who? I mean, I, do they pledge loyalty to the to the family at one point? It's like we got a clue of that when they went to Prague, right? It, it was a family that charged a lot of money to send out servants to people. Do you know what right. I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Teresa and I forget what her the other one's name was. They were working right. for the cardinal or the pope or something. Right, yeah. right. They were lent out. They were lent out from the papal household, which I thought was kind of amusing. So maybe it's like a family business, you know, like how Hubbard had a taxi company. <laughs> <laughs> I think Father Hubbard had a whole lot of businesses we haven't heard of yeah. yet. Yeah. Because he kind of strikes me as almost like a, the London underworld kind of guy, like you'd see in Peaky Blinders or The Craze or something like that, but a little less violent. Yeah, I, I know true. to be in the de Clermont family, even as a servant, was kind of a, a privilege. But I did think, who wants to be a servant for the rest of their life if it's like 2,000 years long? <laughs> it's kind of like everybody insists they're reincarnated from royalty. Nobody's ever reincarnated from the serfs. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, everybody's got a price, so we don't know what Mart's getting paid. <laughs> you know? Or, um, or who is the other? Uh, Javier's butcher. He he amused me too, and and his driver Enzo. That was a cute cute yeah. name. Names are important important moments. Right. right. So, Angela, you have last thoughts or things you can't let go. Of. Um, I guess I feel pretty easy going today. I can I can let go of stuff. Last thoughts. I just to wrap it up with Shadow of Night. I don't know. I can't wait till we get to Shadow of Night. We're almost there. We're almost there, like halfway there. Um, Yay. but those will be really fun chapters to tackle. And we'll, I, oh gosh, I, yes. Listener alert, they'll probably be well over an hour long. <laughs> so that, that might become the, the standard. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll become them. the standard. But, uh, Yay. yeah, I, I, that's what I'm looking forward to is our Shadow of Night episodes. And you'll have to put up with Angela's and my Walter Love. Yes, definitely. Oh, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so yeah. sad we have to wait so long because for Ser- Serpent's Mirror because I was looking forward to Sweet Robin. Yes, Sweet Robin. Oh, maybe someday. All right, let me put this out there again for the listeners. Serpent's Mirror not happening right now. Okay. Okay. 
That was my PSA. <laughs> okay. Now, what, what's your last thought, Val? Um, uh, let's see. Last thought is, oh, we have a coupon code for All Souls Con. You guys might have missed the deadline where you got 20% off as early bird prices. However, as our listener, that is extended till July 15th. Coupon code is Discusser. All those S's. Discusser. <laughs> 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 and um, I will put that in the show notes so you'll be able to copy and paste it in there or type it in. But um, discussers already know that we have a coupon code, but now the rest of you know that. So good till July 15th. Don't miss out if you were contemplate on going, but now the price is back to $99. Hey, we can still give you a 20% discount just through us. You're welcome. Now, Things I can't let go of. Okay, I have one and you guys are going to have to bear with me. We do giveaways on our site to give out free items to people who enjoy this book. That is it, simply. Sure, it helps us out. It gets us followers. It helps people, helps point people to our platform. But in the end, we are giving out a free book or a t-shirt or perfume or buttons or little bags or whatever it is we're, we have in that giveaway package to listeners or our viewers or anyone in our, our readers. audience. Readers. So when I see a comment on Facebook, like I did last week, that said, it would be easier if you just let us comment on Facebook or Twitter to enter. Easier for who? That is our question. Easier for who? Our giveaways, they average on the low end, maybe 200 entries on the high end, 2000. How are you going to manage those entries without raffle copter? You're not. There is no way I'm counting through Facebook comments. There's no way I'm counting through Twitter comments or qu Twitter retweets to distribute this book out fairly. Can I just put an, Not can I put an FYI? Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. An FYI, if your account is private on Twitter and you try to tweet us, we don't see it if we don't follow you. So just FYI to that because that's impossible too. Yes. So using Rafflecopter is the fairest way for people to enter. If you're not on Facebook or you're not on Twitter, you can enter by doing the trivia question or you can enter with your email address because you've registered to be on the con. But other than that, and also not everybody's on Facebook or Twitter. What about those people? What about those fans of the books? Don't they get a chance? I guess that's my rant. We're giving out a free book. If it's too hard for you to go on Rafflecopter, then don't bother. And I have removed this comment from Facebook so people don't go after this person. I don't think that's fair. But I do think it is fair that I stand up for us. We're putting out this free book. We're allowing people to enter for it. If Rafflecopter is too hard, then don't enter. The end. And now I'm going to jump off the soapbox. This one's really high. Yeah, and this is... This is the fairest way to do it. It is. I've got a lot of experience with giveaways in other fandoms and I've watched other authors and other bloggers suffer through different ways and apps and programs to try and award prizes fairly. And honest to God, Rafflecopter is the easiest, the fairest way out there to allow people from all sorts of platforms to get involved. I mean, all, you can stick it on the end. Of, we stick it on the end of our blog. You mm -hmm. can actually put it in the back of an ebook. Yes. So I, I wholeheartedly 
100% behind us using Rapidcopter yeah. because it allows the most people to participate in the most ways possible. Yeah. And as an entrant, you so, can feel confident that it's uh, you're you're entered and you're in the it's fair it's fair and you're in the running to possibly win. Right. Yeah. We've we've had people with one entry win. All they did was tweet once and they won. So, yeah, it's easier for that person on Facebook to just comment and say, I want that book. But except for the fact that it's also questionable whether that's even within within Facebook rules. Uh, Facebook recently changed the rules where it is okay. They keep changing the rules. Yeah. (laughs) And they may change it again next week. Right. Right. So Rafflecopter is the fairest, the safest, because, you know, they have high security. So if you put your information out there, the only people that's going to get it is us and we're not going to share it. Yep. There's that. That that frustrated me. And if you're a listening person, I doubt you're listening. But if you're listening, please know that's what it is. It may be easier for you to just enter a, a comment on Facebook or Twitter, but it's not easy for us to aggregate it and give out the prizes fairly. And it's not necessarily easy for other participants. Yeah. Right. So I think we're good. On that note, I'd like to thank our discusser, Wendy. Our reviewer. Our reviewer. And Linda, thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to us. And thanks for everything. After that rant, I think it's important that I say that. <laughs> <laughs> we are appreciative of you. And, yes. And that's it. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Demon kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no delayed uh, gratification there. How about <laughs> like Matthew? Demon kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, audience. Mm-hmm.